0: The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you
1: by RacingDudes.com.
0: What's up, everybody? I'm Magic,
1: and I'm Mike, and this is yet yeah, Magic Mike Show episode 426, <laughs> Mr. Samich. Ah, huzzah! Derby, hey. I can't believe we're talking about Derby and Oaks
0: already. I know pretty much from now on uh, until the Belmont Stakes, uh, through the Belmont Stakes, we're going to be just pretty much every Monday show is going to be updates on the three year olds or soon to be three year olds at this point. But uh, listen, that's what most people care about this time of year. We're done with the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the dust has settled. Uh, we've gotten a couple of, we had a couple of really great one, grade one races over the weekend for older horses. Got to see two different horses win and go out on top. I mean, you never see that happen. And then we had the Remsen and the Demoiselle, and we'll have lots of uh, fallout to talk about with that. But first of all,
1: how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Uh, it was good NFL week. Uh, it was a decent horse racing week. So I was looking forward to just kind of uh, keeping momentum rolling here. Uh, we've got a nice break, like you said here, until we've got, we've got uh, what was it, Malibu Day on the 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, so not massive amount of stakes now until then, but still some pretty good racing. Get Gulfstream Championship chip meet, kip, kicking it off. We'll have a mandatory pick six at Gulfstream before that, so that'll be nice. So uh, still some good pools to bet on, but I'm going to miss Del Mar, man. Del Mar's meet was, uh, was fun there to close it out. It was fun. It was a little frustrating for me because there were so many times that I thought, like, oh, I
0: should do this, I should do that. But, uh, uh, you know, it was a great betting weekend as, as far as Del Mar went. And again, you get to see Regal Glory go out on in a blaze of glory in the Matriarch. You and I were both really, we don't want really to talk about this race too much, but we both really liked Hamwood Flyer. And I knew some sharp handicappers that loved her, too, because if you don't know California Racing, she is, she's one of those types that she just goes from the gate and she spots every, everybody spots for about eight, nine lengths. And then she hits a wall off the turn, and it's just a matter of, are they good enough to catch her? The answer in Regal Glory's catch was a resounding yes.
1: Yeah, and you wonder if Regal Glory just, like, ripping her heart out is why she didn't end up getting second in that spot. Because it looked like she was going to hold for second for for a large point of that stretch and just got absolutely destroyed uh, by – I think she got caught. I ended up ranked fourth or fifth, actually, in there. Um, But one of those horses is just kind of fun to root for. I mean, you, you kind of look at it, and you're like, well, did she have to be five lengths up? But that's kind of what she does. So you want her to just kind of go and see if she's good enough to last, but man, Regal Glory looked phenomenal. Like the old Regal Glory, really, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, she. I mean, especially because she's been facing males in you know elite, real grade one competition, and then she, this was uh, California grade one competition that she mostly got to face. So again, really awesome to see. We're gonna miss having her around. Uh, speaking of Gulfstream, Doctor Tang in the chat says bombs away, pretty crazy this weekend. And Gulfstream on Wednesday. You get not Jose, just Jose Ortiz, not just Irad Ortiz Jr., but Junior Alvarado as well. All three of those guys coming down to Gulfstream Park starting on Wednesday, December seventh. Uh, it's not quite championship meet yet, but it's going to start feeling like it because the, yeah. the
1: big boys are coming. It, it will. Sias was down there for the first time this weekend, so it's interesting to see him down there. We got to give your boy Pratt some love. He oh my god! Going off. On Sunday. What was, he won four of the first five. He only amounts to four of the first five. Won the last as well. I think he won one more. Yeah. So he went six for nine, I believe it was, on Sunday. Uh, just kind of putting to shame that California jockey's room and said, Hey, you know what, guys? You're ha- you should be lucky. You're lucky I'm left. I left because I would have just stomped you again down here. Be interested to see if he goes to Florida now and wants to take on that crowd down at Gulfstream as well. Um, I, I doubt we see it, but it would be fun if yep. we do.
0: He's staying in California. He's got to find. He's staying in California until Keeneland starts up, and by that point, he'll have found his uh, his Derby horse. I'm sure. So at least that's the plan. Um, the uh, man, I gotta say that Flavio Pratt, I'm so happy you brought it up. That guy, I mean, it, it's not like Juan Hernandez is a bad rider. I mean, we talked about the Stormy Liberal Stakes on Saturday. There was a video that you retweeted where it was the jockey cam footage. There was not a hole there, and somehow, like Juan Hernandez himself, probably could have just barely fit through the hole along the rail at the top of the stretch. Let alone a thousand-pound mare or horse. And and my God, that was just a, a great race. And he's he won the Hollywood Derby. Like Juan Hernandez is a really damn
1: good rider. And Flavian Pride just came in and went. <laughs> I'm glad you glad you brought up that race too, because the move on the rail was phenomenal. But so was not sending the horse, because it ended up that there was a almost a pace duel up front. You had three or four horses that went. And that is a horse who I think we both thought would want to be on the lead or near the lead. And Juan Hernandez decides to back out of the pace duel, sit the rail, and then cut the corner like that. Just an absolute phenomenal ride. Uh, on the jockey note, yeah, Tom O'Connor, first off, congrats, man. We'll see you at NHC. Was able to get Ooh. in uh, over the weekend. It's always nice when you run third in one of those, but someone above you is double qualified. It's, it's funny because you don't realize you're in sometimes, and, and then you see the, the, the email and you're like, oh, shit, I made it. So congratulations, Tom. Uh, <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal feat, and it's a, it's a blast to play NHC. So we'll definitely have some preview shows coming up to that and kind of how to, how to attack NHC as well as we get closer to there. But his comment here on Luis Saez was dead on. One of the reasons why it was bombs away is because Pletcher, Versailles, rode a couple of Pletcher horses that just did not fire at some even money, and that really created some massive exaggars and some big win prices.
0: Uh, we got the, some Derby talk, some uh, Oaks talk, and stuff. Also, yeah, Frankie Dettori coming to California. I, his comments in the uh, what was it the San Anita because he's going to start for Malibu Day. His comments in the San Anita press release. They didn't give me a lot of faith he's sticking around for long. He sounds like he's still got one foot kind of hanging on the airplane still. He's just here to see if he can find a derby horse. Uh, I can tell you from other jockeys that came in with not a, a huge amount of dirt acumen uh, that came in, and, and they quickly found out, no, it's not that easy, especially in California, where we're racing three days a week in their five-horse fields. So good luck to you, Frankie. Glad you'll be here. Uh, if he's still here by Valentine's Day, I'll be surprised.
1: Assuming Pratt is gone... Where does the Tory rank in the California jockey standings day one walking in? Man, I
0: I can't put him I – fifth would be the highest because he doesn't yeah. – I mean, he's a, he's going to be fantastic on the turf, especially those downhill turf races. It's very European style. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where you'd put him. This is a good point. Is Barrio Sector staying? I, it, I think he's going to be back and forth between here and Florida. It depends on who he's riding for and what kind of mounts he has. So, yeah, I don't know, but, but Pratt is number one. Hernandez, number two. Bully number three. Uh, oh, so you see Pratt was out. So Hernandez, number one. Bully two. I, I still can't put him higher than fifth without naming two more jockeys.
1: Well, I mean, Ramon Vasquez has to be up there. I mean, I would put Barrios up there if he's if he's included. Bravo has been riding well, especially on the mm-hmm. turf out there. Uh, Cedillo and, and Maldonado, both pretty good dirt riders. I mean, there's a it, the Colony is yeah. not wonderful, uh, but the Tory probably top five turf top 10 dirt somewhere in that range but but on the bottom part of both those bliss yeah i def, i'd even take tiago prayer over
0: him on the dirt tiago's a great dirt rider uh, but i don't know if he's actually going back to oakland this year anyways like i said we've got some derby some oak stock to get into mike let's start it right here's up <music> Right, my first race we want to talk about here, the Remsen Stakes. This is a grade two race with uh, Kentucky Derby points on line. Remember, the Remsen, before last year, was kind of a race where the winner would project well, but like late in the three-year-old season, right? Catholic Boy won this and then won the Travers, won a grade one on turf. But you usually don't see them on the Derby Trail. Last year, we had Zandon finish second to Modano. We both know they were fantastic. Let's watch the replay here. WNL is going to WNL, which is it, there's so many different ways people have said this. It stands for Washington and Lee University. But he's going to be the seven horse here. Art to arrogance, I thought, was the better horse. But look at that inside, Mike. That is the grossest inside lane I've seen not at Churchill.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a little messy there. And, and kickback was an issue all weekend at Aqueduct once there was some water in the track. You saw some horses just absolutely despise it. So there's a, a couple trip notes you probably want to look at if you're going to play this New York circuit. Uh, New York officially off the turf, I believe, it is till January or February now. They don't run uh, turf races at Aqueduct through the December, or January mm-hmm. month. So uh, don't expect any turf racing here. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting race. Um, uh, you know, a W-H-N-E-L or W-A, it's what? and L. Yeah, w- right. yeah. Like you're saying um,
0: W-N-L. That's
1: I, I think, I mean, I, I had this horse on top. Made sense to me. Your other two favorites are Arctic Arrogance and Tuskegee Airman. Uh, I, I thought both ran pretty well here. Um, but you saw Speed hold really well. And they're not flying up front. I mean, 24 and 3, 48 flat, basically, you know, reasonable fractions, but nothing crazy. Um, and, and Speed's been pretty good at Aqueduct, especially these longer two-turn races for younger horses.
0: Uh, you know, you brought up Tuskegee Airman. He's the two horse here. And I mentioned that inside was just trash all week. We'll, uh, or no, we won't look at the cigar a mile, but our boy, what a barrio. I thought was going to win the cigar a mile. And then he went inside and he just kind of stopped. I mean, that was a perfect example. Tuskegee Airman, a very highly hyped two-year-old and he's struggling. He's getting kickback. He's on the rail. He's trying to get off the kickback. But by the time he's going to get away from it, the top two have already pulled away. Now let's focus on these two because again, Arke see sees on that inside there. And splashing away, I thought the fact that he didn't quit and that he kept fighting was a very good sign. I like both of these horses moving forward, I don't love them, but it's also New York. Like WNL is going to come back for the you know Danny Gargan, the trainer said he wants to win the wood. Uh, Arctic Arrogance is Linda Rice. You would assume she's going to keep this horse in New York. So, as far as the New York circuit goes, it, aside from last year, these are horses that are capable for it, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see who who the invaders are because I think that's important anytime you're talking about the wood and other other points races leading up into the Derby, specifically for this this New York circuit. Because let's just be honest, because of the fact that this is a lot of days that you get at Aqueduct here with this sloppy type of track and the track isn't as consistent, and uh, you know some two year olds take to it, some don't. Kickbacks an issue. You don't always see that the these horses go on to win future preps as well, and so you see kind of some bombs in these these New York points races because of it. Um, yeah, I'm interested in the top three, but mildly interested, and, and not anywhere near yeah. the top level of this crop. I mean, one thing that we've talked about is uh, how good this year's two-year-old class is comparatively to last year's, at least what we've seen run so far. Compared comparatively right. to last year's, and, and when I see performances like this, um, you know, I look. Hat tip ran well, did everything they could in the top three here, and I think you you hit the nail on the head on the rail, just being dead here for the two this entire way around. So I would make some excuses here for um, for Tuskegee but uh, this is all a cut below that top tier that we're going to see when it actually comes to getting into the derby gate
0: that's a great point that you just brought up if you think about who was in last year's Breeders Cup Juvenile aside from Corniche at the time we really didn't think anybody from that Juvenile was going to move forward and then Corniche just never really ever showed up again so you know scratch that off you're right this we're more excited I think about who will be turning three and what they'll do? I think Loggins, for example, is a, is a great horse to mention. He's only made two starts, second in the Breeders' Futurity, barely to Forte, and they immediately were like, "We're waiting until he's three years old." And as somebody who is in the dri- racing to his Triple ground fantasy league, you hear that in years per cup. And you go, ooh, ooh, we got a good one here. We might have a really good one. Um, yeah, Tom says Rattle and Roll wouldn't contend this year. That's that's very true. That is.
1: Well, uh, you think about let's just talk about that that last year's not not last year's but two years ago Breeders' Cup race again. I mean, your Jack Christopher would have been your second pit choice. He gets scratched out. He he had no chance of winning a derby after especially what we saw clearly a one turn horse, sprinter horse. And then command performance ended up being your second choice in that race. I mean, it just kind of it. and, And, you know, the crazy part is you look back at that and you're like, you know, so and so should have been there. There was no logins. There was no you know, there weren't horses like that that were missing from that field. That really was the best of the best that we had seen at that point. So it, it, when you go back and you look at this year's rendition, where you've got Forte and you've got National Treasure and you've uh, you've got Cave Rock, and then on the undercard you have the two Arabian horses who, from the Baffert barn, and you've got horses like Extra and Neo who don't show up there. I mean, it's just it, it's stacked this year comparatively.
0: Here's the uh, the chart for the ribbons here, and you notice uh, the top two early were top two all the way around the track, and over 11 links clear, Tuskegee Airmen 16 links clear of fourth that horse. I'm still gonna say had the best effort and the worst kind of setup in the uh, in that race. Um, I saw it was mentioned Stone Street owns both of the horses that won at, at won the prep races at Aqueduct over the weekend. Uh, you didn't see the Stone Street colors there, but they, the partner that they're with had, was wearing the silks, but. Uh, a great effort there for, for WNL, Good Magic. I was very happy to see my boy, Good Magic, uh, getting a grade two stakes winner. By the way, did you know Good Magic leads all freshman sires now in earnings? He is, He's going to end, unless something incredibly uh, ballistic happens, he will end as the freshman
1: sire leader in earnings. This sire crop has been phenomenal too. I mean, like we've talked about, we've talked about good magic. We've talked about justify. Uh, we talked about bolt Oro, we've talked, talked about sharpest s Uh, it, it's amazing how deep this group of freshman sires has been. When you look at that leaderboard, I can pull it up if, if you want me to, when you look at that leaderboard of the freshman sires, it's, it's phenomenal how many graded stakes winners. They also have at too, because you're still facing all the older sires, the tappets and all, all that jazz, the into mischiefs in those races, and they are the ones producing the winners of those races. So really exciting from a, just a horse racing sport perspective to, to make it look like we might have four or five realistically good sires moving forward here. And like Gervin has been surprisingly good. Uh, Army Mule is. I still good. don't get that. I don't understand Gervin at all, but, but still continually producing runners. And Tyler's Tribe, obviously. Or I'm sorry. Uh, Tyler's Tribe is a sharp Azteca. But yep. atomically for Gervin, won a stakes race. I mean, it, it's been a very good... I would even go as far as saying top 10, because Oscar performance, I think, is an interesting sire. If you look specifically at his stats with turf sprinters versus turf routers, his turf routers are hitting at a very high percentage. His turf sprinter is not so good. So I think you're going to see some Oscar performance horses turn into something going two turns on the turf as well. So really wonderful freshman sire crop that is, is incredibly deep here.
0: Uh, this reminds me about, I think, Gervin's first year, he stood for $5,000, and he's up. He's only up to twenty-five. The way his horses are running, that's still really great value. Uh, but man, you just look at this roster. Bolt Doro, Good Magic, Justify, all horses that were either big candidates for the Derby or, you know, Justify's case won the Triple Crown. City of Light down here at 10. Uh, Mendelssohn's in the mix. Motown is in there somehow. Uh, Cloud Computing. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy, and it's a great thing because we have so many sires that seem to dominate we're getting a lot more versatility suddenly it seems like
1: and Mendelssohn's an interesting one as well because I mean I remember when we we brought this up Mendelssohn struggled early as a sire he was I want to say started out one for 19 and he ends up 23 for 81 on the year I mean that's a massive turnaround when you look at kind of how it started and how it ended for Mendelssohn. so he's another one that you got to keep an eye on and, and see what happens moving forward so just a lot of fun here and it's, it's interesting because you know, Good Magic and Bolt to Oro, both very hyped horses, ran in the Breeders' Cup uh, as two-year-olds. Um, you know, you've you got Justify there, your Derby winner from that year, Good Magic obviously running second. And the interesting thing here is the majority of them, at least those three at least, all out of top sires as well. And that's, that's when you start to see those second sires. That's when you know you could see some real production from it. It also means that their kids are going to be more and more valuable because that means that sire line is continuing down.
0: Yeah, was was, justified, was that Scat Daddy's last or second-to-last uh, crop before he passed? But the, you've got two in the top seven there with Mendelssohn. Uh, by the way, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner, Mendelssohn. So another Breeders' Cup star. Uh, Sharp Azteca at that same Breeders' Cup won the Dirt Mile. Um, yeah, so many great horses here. All right, Mike, let's talk about the Kentucky Oaks here. We'll switch gears. Uh, this is a great – I was really excited about this because to set the stage, you have a horse in Julia Shiny who, spoiler alert, wins the race full sister to Malathat who won the 2020 day Moselle and showed a lot of heart and a lot of grinding ability to overcome the talent to overcome less than ideal circumstances and trips. Malathat turned out to be an extremely impressive horse as a three-year-old wins the breeders cup Distaff this year before retiring. Julia shining only gets a 70 buyer and she was almost three seconds slower than the boys in the remsen. So I don't know if we need to pump the brakes on her. I know it's exciting because of her breeding and, and how she finished. I just don't know if I really love her moving forward.
1: Man, this is, it's funny because this looks like Malathat Junior running here, and after the race, Pletcher talked about, "Hey, we're we're, pro- we're thinking about putting blinkers on her, and that's something that we saw Malathat later this year really make a big difference in her efforts and her being able to grind it out and win." This was this was interesting, just because I don't think she, was, I didn't think she was going to win pretty much at any point of this race until the final sixteenth or so, and it's like, oh, maybe she is actually going to get up here. Um, this is tough because we just watched the last race with the boys, and we saw them go gate to wire, going slower or faster fractions, right? like significantly faster so this is 21 and 3 they went or 24 and 3 they basically went 24 48 flat um with the boys here and and here you're going to see when this this half mile comes up instead of going 24 48 we're going to go 24 and 3 49 and 2 basically so significantly slower early fractions And, and when you look at where she's coming from in this spot the fact that you know, we talked about how a lot of the horses don't like kickback. You weren't really able to close going two turns, especially for younger horses the last week or so at Aqueduct. All of that flatters this effort in my mind. Um, and, and the one thing you can say is you, she clearly has heart. Like she, she wanted to win this race, which matters, especially when you think about Malafat at three, who did not want to win races. <laughs> All of that are positives to me. Now I, I'm not going to put the the proverbial cart before the horse here and say that this is a, a superstar, but I'm willing to take the positive out of this more than the negative out of this race and say that this was a, a very good effort, even though the, the buyer doesn't come back big or anything like that. What she did against the track bias and what she was able to do to get the win and, and kind of the maturity she showed to get up and, and the heart to win are all positives to me. Is she as good as what we've seen at the top end of this crop? No, not right now. Could she show that? Yeah, I think that there is some ability for her to be in the Oaks conversation by the time she gets there, but she needs to keep improving.
0: I agree with you, and uh, it, it's a, a big improvement, not just speed figure-wise, because that can obviously happen. It's only her second career start, uh, but she just needs to to improve. Possibly, I'm hoping the Blinkers, I'm curious to see what happens, because I hadn't heard that, so that's good to see. Boy, I'm watching this replay now for Foggy Night, the one horse that I thought might have a chance to go gate-to-wire, and if I had watched the Remsen before this race, uh, like if they switched the order in the card, I definitely would have put a lot of money on foggy night to go gate to wire from the start. She was just all kinds of screwy, but uh, she's part of the horses that the top four early were all four lengths or more behind the top two. So, I'm sorry, behind the top three there. So uh, it's weird that the horses that are uh, fifth, sixth and seventh, the five, the three and the six will end up being your top three late when they've got much slower fractions than what we saw in the boys and the boys went gate to wire. So it's, this is kind of a screwy thing size is already you know at a ride here. And we're at like the five sixteenths pole. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I, Maybe it, the it, blinkers will really help her. I think now that you've mentioned that I keep watching her thinking, man, blinkers have got to help
1: this horse. Well, she almost kind of decides when she wants to run here as well. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is that, I mean, Sia worked overtime on this horse, the entire race, but once she actually got her mind down to running, she ran pretty well. I mean, like, right here if you look it looks like she's just spinning her wheels basically in the back of this pack and then she's able to gobble up some serious ground once she gets straightened out turning for home and that that, those are all positive signs to me it's just you know the the question is can she continue to improve because this isn't exactly a group of world beaters that she's nosing out here
0: (laughs) yeah that's true um, I, all right, so it's hard to say right now. We, we saw Hoosier Philly win the Golden Rod. She looks incredible. Uh, Bob Backer has a horse named FaZa, who he can't run her in the Kentucky Oaks, but if he does the whole trainer switcheroo, we saw it worked with Taba, and, and he got Taba and Messier into the Derby. Faze is going to be in the Starlet this weekend at Los Al, so I'd be very curious to see what happens. But right now, do you have a feeling for the Kentucky Oaks, or do you think the Kentucky Oaks winner isn't isn't someone we've talked about in terms of winning stakes races yet?
1: I feel like it's a wide-open group, right? I mean, Hoosier-Philly uh, looked phenomenal in both of four wins, so I'm not going to knock Hoosier-Philly, but I wouldn't want to bet Hoosier-Philly right now. Um, just not necessarily the, the Barnes and the pedigree that you're expecting to be able to win the Kentucky Oaks. Not saying that it's not possible, but just not the ones that you'd expect. Um, Brad Cox has a couple nice fillies. I think we, have, we should at least talk about a little bit that ran well. I, I think At this point, uh, you have to say that Wonder Wheel is the top of this group. Uh, Winning at Saratoga and coming back and winning in the Breeders' Cup, you got to give her props. I'm sorry, winning at uh, uh, Keeneland and then coming back and winning the Breeders' Cup, you got to give her props for what she's been able to do. I don't necessarily love her, um, but she definitely is the most mature two-year-old filly right now that we have going two turns. I think that's why she's been able to get the job done the last couple. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, this was a wide-open betting race in the Breeders' Cup. It's going to be a wide-open scramble until – Or if we see a superstar come, I will continue to put my hat on the East Coast Phillies, though. I I don't I hear these Baffert Phillies every year um, and and they just they're just not as good as everybody else. I I think there's a logical argument argument for why. And that's the owners that are buying horses and saying to him, I I, are not looking for to win the Kentucky Oaks. They're looking to win the Kentucky Derby or they're looking to have these these elite level Philly sprinters like Gamine. And, And so I'm not going to go and say, oh, yeah, like the Baffert horses. No, I'll pass on the California ones until they prove me wrong. And they've been consistently bad anytime the whole gang has got together and it's been all the best Phillies in the country. California's not winning any of those races. Mike, let's guess change gears a little bit. Of- CeCe would be the one that I guess we yeah. could say. But, but CeCe also feels a little bit like an everything horse. I and mean, she, she, she ran all the races. She didn't stay in California and then ship out.
0: Right. She went to, she twice prepped for the, or qualified for the Breeders' Cup for the Merge Sprint by winning the Princess Rooney at Gulfstream. Like yeah. she, yeah, she very much was a, a an interesting horse. Uh, let's switch gears. I should have done this differently, but I was too excited to talk about the Remsen uh, Kentucky Derby betting odds. This isn't a full list, but this is, it's a little hard right now uh, in December to find an offshore book with odds that you can read and it actually looks decent on camera so or on screen here so we got a, a small amount here but you've you've got WNL, WNL at 50 to 1. Uh, Arabian Night at 20 to 1. Extra Neos 20 to 1 here that's pretty great. Uh, Logan's 18 to 1. Any horse sign here interest you at the odds that they're offering?
1: Well I think we have to start out talking about Extra Neo, right I mean 1.35 million dollar purchase Curlin. Uh, John White went on blinkers off and and uh, I don't know what he got his hands on before it, but said extra is going to win the triple crown. I know Chris Maiello in here. Uh, another one who, who thinks extra uh, and is the horse to beat here. Um, short answer. No, I'm not betting any of these horses at these odds. Uh, I I'm still, I mean, I, we talked about this in the other show. I would be at least 25 to one. I want to really like someone in that case. Um, I don't, I think this is too deep of a group to say I want any of these horses at these prices right now. I think that's one of the big issues is that you, you have logins at 18 to 1, who we were both very high on coming out of that. Forte flatters him out of that race. The third place and fourth place finishers both run well out of that race. as so well. I think 1-1, one, 1-1 one, one, Um You have horses like National Treasure, who I think got a significantly worse trip at the Breeders' Cup. But was able to still run well, sitting at thirty-three to one. You still got Cave Rock, who uh, it, it needs to kind of mature a little bit in his head to be able to, to really line up with that talent. But this looks phenomenal in a couple races. Obviously, Forte at ten to one, deserving favorite in these pools. I know it's the favorite in the, the future betting pool of uh, the for the um, Kentucky Derby as well. So I'm not ready to hammer any of these guys. I would. I would like to take a shot at 50, 60 to one somewhere in that range, but I don't see anyone on this list that exactly inspires me to go after it at that number. And the horses that I think are logical contenders are all sitting in that 20 to one, 30 to one range. And it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when when we start to see some of these horses trying two turns for the first time, when we see them face winners for the first time, because there's a couple couple maiden breakers on this list as well.
0: Yeah, there are uh, one horse that I did definitely caught my attention. He closed, he opened at sixty to one in the Kentucky Derby future wager pool. He closed at twenty seven to one, and yet you can get fixed odds on Signator at fifty to one. This is a horse. When was the last time Shug McGahee, bless his heart, we love Shug. When's the last time somebody bought a horse for one point seven million dollars and went? It's a colt. We want to go to the Derby. Let's send him to Shug. It doesn't happen. And it's no knock on sugar. That's just not what happens. And yet Signator uh, going a mile at Aqueduct breaks his maiden Aqueduct by over four lengths. Looks incredible. Uh, he's owned by, let me list off the big names that own this. This is like the East Coast Avengers. You've got West Point Thoroughbreds, Woodford Racing, Gainesway Stable, Phipps Stable, Lanes End Racing, who's usually in California. You've got five big mega East Coast Avengers here. They're trying to face the West Coast that Baffert has. I think Signator at fifty to one, specifically because he was twenty seven to one in the last Derby pool. I think that's a good horse to play, but it is hard because I love Loggins, eighteen to one. I would do it, but realistically, Mike, you have the right twenty five to one
1: or higher in December. Uh, if you love Extra Neo twenty to one, maybe that's where you go. And I let me let me also preface this: if you want to bet twenty bucks to win on these horses and have a, a little side side piece going. By all means, take a shot at horses like Loggins. take a shot at horses like extrañejo if you like them, because that's not going to you know swing you in a massive manner. If you're looking for big bets to me, there's no one that I'm like, hey, this is a positive expected value bet. I don't see anyone here who I think is his po- odds are just wildly too high, right? Like I, t- I had a slice of justify at 75 to one. That was too high. I know people who had him at 27, 45 to one after winning his first stakes. That was too high. We were also in what was it? February, March at that point, April at that point after he won his first stake. So you still had it was was sub three months until the Derby versus here where we're still sitting five, six months out kind of making these decisions. Now, looking at this board, all right, we've got Arabian Knight, we've got Cave Rock, we've got National Treasure. Already three Bafferts on this list. Would you even consider betting a Baffert horse to win the Derby after what we saw last year? Hmm... No, well, because hmm. if you think of no. all the horses that left his stable and then came back to his stable and their performance mm-hmm. prior to leaving it when they were running other people's stables and then the performance is coming back. I don't know how I could bet any of these horses to win the derby, knowing that they will not be with him for at least one prep so they can make the derby and then the actual derby as well.
0: Yeah, a uh, uh, Taba, it seems like Taba's talent overcame all of those obstacles that you mentioned because Taba won the Sanita Derby. Kentucky Derby data point, don't count it. Uh even though everybody, including Baffer, said don't send that horse to the, uh actually no, they said don't send him to the Sanita, and then they said don't send to the Kentucky Derby. But yeah, that wasn't Um bad. yeah, the listen, it's a horse that's gonna be the big favorite for the Malibu, probably wins it by open links. So um. Yeah. You know. Actually, of all the bafferts on this list, Arabian Night, Cave Rock, and National Treasure, the National Treasure at thirty-three to one is the most interesting, and he's the longest shot because I think he's got more upside than Cave Rock. In Arabian Night, boy, every time I watch that replay of him winning at Keeneland, that left that right leg is like sideways when he's running, and I'm like, I can't. Like, essential quality was one thing. I can't a paddler like that put that horse in water and watch it and go.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like he's trying to like box someone out from tackling him, throwing the stiff <laughs> arm out there to the horse trying to pass on his on his on his own. Put outside. Sonny Leon on him. Put yeah. Sonny Leon on that horse. <laughs> you got the elbow and the foot out there. There's no way anyone's getting by. Um yeah, man, it's uh it, it, I I it's interesting because I I'm not gonna say I like betting Bafferts, but I respect Bafford in the Derby quite a bit. Um and yeah. so I I oft, I've ended up on a Baffert, I think was it, four three of the last four years, something like that. Uh, it's gone pretty well um, <laughs> with that, that strategy. But Two of those it, man, after watching this specifically this year, and it wasn't just his derby horses. It was the entire stable of Bafferts going elsewhere. They all struggled everywhere they went. And then when they got back to him, you saw that form return in a lot of ways. And you think, I mean, Tabe was a great example where I, he, yeah, you, the derby is obviously a data point that you throw out long-term handicapping, but he still didn't run well. I mean, he, he didn't run to what he was capable of. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But, I mean, you look at Messier as well, who I thought ran an okay race, made the lead at the top of the stretch, and then, then got passed. Like, yeah. man, it's just tough to say that, okay, you're going to leave that Baffert barn and come back and be able to win the Derby with one of these horses. And I just – I'll pass, man. I, I, I would rather – take these horses in races like the Haskell and races, you know, that they'll down the rear road races where maybe you're going to get yeah. a better price because of what happens to them through the Derby process.
0: Yeah. What's the, uh, what are the odds on Arabian night in
1: the Pennsylvania Derby?
0: Can we get future wagers for <laughs> uh, I, nine get, months from now?
1: <laughs> can I get Bob Baffert at four to one in the Penn Derby right now? Like, let's just can sign me up for that. Call. Let's call Jessica
0: Puckett. Hey, talk to somebody at parks get me that, uh, get me those good odds on, on Arabian night there. Uh, Dennis There's is agreeing with there. that's true they do have a sports book Dennis said from the Bafferts, Arabian Nights the only one that he's interested, he also corrected me, thank you for this, Uh, I love Suge, I didn't mean to disrespect him, Orb was well before my time, but he did have Orb win the Derby and Code of Honor was second and honestly if War of Will wasn't or uh, who was that damn service horse was playing pinball with everybody, he pinballed Code of Honor into the rail and everybody forgets that, Code of Honor very well might have won the Derby uh, a few years ago Um, I did want to bring up uh, is there anything else here? Do, 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 do. That's true. Curtis says betting Baffert's and Derby futures is like QB's and Heisman futures. You rarely get EV plus odds. Is that true, Mike? I know you like to bet
1: QB's and, and Heisman futures at least this year. That is correct if you are betting the top three or four schools. If you're willing to reach out, I mean, because I'm Cam Newton, I think, was a great example of one that went off, at, like started the year at 300 to one at Auburn, ends up winning the Heisman trophy, undefeated Auburn team. There, there's a couple examples. I mean, I, uh, Uh, burrow joe burrow is another one where his odds were monstrous to start the year so if you're picking the qb at alabama if you're picking the qb at usc if you're picking the qb at you know ohio state yeah your, your your odds are shit if you're picking a qb in the sec that could win the national title that is on a team that is not highly rated then you have a shot at getting some big numbers but uh yeah good luck at being able to throw that dart
0: yeah, there you go. Dennis Agreement,
1: Joe Burrow's great example. There you go. Well, and, and Curtis brings up this point too. Bookmakers are scared to write a ticket over 151. That's dead on. I, there's multiple examples where, I mean, the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Then you have Justify winning at 250 to 1, 300 to 1 in certain places. You have Burrow. You've got uh, the Blues won a Stanley Cup. They wrote 250 to 1 tickets there in, in January. All of a sudden. All well, these- Well, they were bad. They were not good. They were bad
0: at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: But all these future numbers have all lost EV because bookmakers know people are dumb to still bet them, dumb enough to still bet them even without that number. There's so many people that go to Vegas and want to put 50 bucks on their team. And if they're a Bruins fan right now, they don't care if it's. Two to one, which is probably, I think right now they're six to one or five to one, something like that. Or the true odds, which is like 14 or 15 to one. They don't they don't give a damn if they're getting plus EV or not. They just want 50 bucks in their favorite team. And that happens so much in these, these future pools and sports that it, it happens. In horse racing, it's not as common um, because you don't have as many people going there and betting a $50 ticket on a Kentucky Derby race. But it's so much more of a crapshoot. Because like right now, any horse to make the gate in the Kentucky Derby should be at least four to one. Right, and that's wild to think about. But there, like, there's so much that can happen between now and then. And like, even Omaha Beach is your favorite a couple years ago, right there until the last week. You have two or three defections the week of, let alone being able to get enough points, getting through there, staying healthy. I mean, it's right now. I'd say four, to, three to four to one is a fair price on any horse, any specific horse making the Derby gate. The defection specifically brings up
0: the reminder that Rich Strike should have never been in the guard. Kentucky Derby gate and epicenter should have won it. Uh, the Kentucky Derby. And Then all this talk about Asmussen never winning the Derby can finally go away. And Mark Lewin, who pissed in your Cheerios this morning? Three year old class garbage. Epicenter, White of Barrio. I, well, uh, get her.
1: No, I, I his, his. The accurate comment would be the two year old version of this three year old class was garbage. The three-year-old yeah. actual class was pretty good. I mean, when you actually look through the through the list, I mean, Tabor ran third in the Classic. He ran pretty well. Um, would have been second competing for a win if it weren't for a horse of a lifetime. You had uh, Jack Christopher, who was a Grade One winner. You, I mean, there was there was a it was a decent crop overall. It just that the two-year-old version of it was freaking atrocious. I mean, and like your your boy, my boy, whatever you want to call him, I'm like, why can't I remember his name right now? Aspenson's horse that we've had in the fantasy league that won like everything was pretty good Epi- too Sorry. epicenter yeah epicenter was pretty darn good all year long as well um so I, I don't think it's fair to say the three-year-old class was garbage I think it's more fair to say that uh, we didn't see much of the good horses when they were two and that's the reason why it looked like a mess leading into this this group
0: I'm gonna keep targeting Mark.
1: I'm just I'm not making funny. I just you brought this up. Good night Olive
0: won the Bears Cup Philly Mary Sprint. Search results won a bunch of graded stakes. I mean, you don't I'm, send you don't buy dirt horses and send them to Chad Brown. Like he's turned great you know, good horses into great horses on the dirt.
1: Now, what were your two Goodnight Olive, Philly,
0: and Search results. Philly. I just went, like from this year alone, she won multiple I'm, graded
1: stakes. Well, I'm what I'm I'm gonna agree with him in a way here and say Chad Brown's male dirt horses are wildly overbacked Um, like I, I, I would say that if you see Chad Brown on the dirt, all of a sudden people are giving him credit because his Phillies on the dirt are pretty good. I mean, like, and you mentioned two of them that, that panned out pretty damn well. Um, but yeah, the, the males, I mean, I I think have always kind of, in my mind, just been a little bit of cup below. However, you like good magic, that was Chad Brown horse, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Might have won a triple crown if it wasn't for Justify. So uh, there are certain examples, but from a betting perspective, Chad Brown on the dirt has some of the most overbet horses that that are out there.
0: Definitely, and Mark, if that was where you're going with that, definitely agree with you there. I mean, Jack Christopher, as great as he was, when did you ever get value on
1: Jack Christopher? You never did. Um, and and no, anyway, he was bet, r- pretty much every start, and, and a good horse, and you he- know of... I mean, maybe not overbet. He, well, the majority of him, he was overbet. Like the first star coming back against a 12-horse field with Churchill, he rolled, but he shouldn't have been sub-even money. Um, and, and so there's just, it, it, his horses take money. It's just that simple.
0: I'm looking at the uh, Chad Brown's list of the uh, his top horses for 2022. Um, even after the matriarch, Zandon is his highest earning horse by about $11,000 over Regal Glory. But uh, yeah, Zandon, his, his number one, earner that's because you got third in the derby you won the toyota bluegrass you got second in the pennsylvania derby but uh the horse didn't like to win doesn't like to win i shouldn't say the past tense he doesn't really love to win he's just two for a nice career but a horse that'll net you 1.5 million dollars from nine starts mike that's not a bad horse
1: no. Well, it also shows you, uh, people talk about U.S. turf racing. Why it doesn't catch up? Well, Zandon, a three-year-old who didn't win any major race in that three-year-old circuit made $1.5 million this year on the dirt. And that's like, it It just shows you how much more money there is in U.S. racing on the dirt, specifically for three-year-old Colts, um, and, and why, you know, people breed toward that. Make
0: some money. Yep. Make some money. We're all about making money here. And you know who also made some good money? I forgot about this. There were two people that had yep. Joe Burrow, 250 to one, a random person and Joe Burrow's dad. Now that's a good dad right there. If you had, if you had a uh, uh, Lily in some sort of an event where a sporting event, and you got 250 to one odds, are you going to put money on that? Right. You believe in your child. I probably
1: wouldn't cash that ticket. I mean, if you're Joe Burrow's dad, let's say you bet a hundred bucks on it. It's 25 grand. I bet Joe Burrow would give you the 25 grand for that ticket. Right. I mean, come on. He was like, he's making way way more money and it, like they're not it's not like that ticket was for a hundred thousand dollars or anything and you know it's i, I yeah. guarantee you it was somewhere in the hundred 200 range something like that and with like 25 50 grand ton of money not knocking it but when your son's joe burrow 25 or 50 grand not quite as much money to the family just saying.
0: Aaron Aaron would cash it on his children. That's what he's saying. Good to well. see Aaron. Don't forget, uh, Dudes Who Bet Sports will have the weekly show in a little over an hour, uh, hour and 19 minutes. But Papa Dude and Aaron are going to recap everything from the NFL college football. And it's college football playoff time.
1: I'm out of horse racing stuff to talk about. You want to talk about college football? Because I know that's something you really love. Uh, I, look, interesting. I, I think the line is really interesting in the Ohio State-Georgia game. There's a lot of people that, that went absolutely ballistic on Twitter. Uh, it opened at six and a half. Georgia minus six and a half. There was a lot of people that scooped up that six and a half very, very quickly already out the seven. I haven't checked today to see um, if it's seven or seven and a half at this point. Um, that one to me was, was pretty interesting there, how it was set up. I would take Georgia lay in the six and a half. Um, I, I would think George is a better version of Michigan in a lot of ways, uh, better defense. They're, they're just as physical as Michigan wants to be up front. We saw Ohio state really, uh, I hate using the term soft, but look soft in the second half against Michigan. Just get the ball absolutely run down their throat. Couldn't seem to do anything. If if Georgia is a better version of Michigan, then it's going to be a tough spot here for Ohio State. So I I would lean toward playing that six and a half if you can still get it or if it's out there. Um, TCU, I think, is pretty interesting. Um, Michigan TCU could be a lot closer than people think. I'm just throwing it out there because – I don't like the Big Ten very much. I, I still think it's a pretty weak conference when you look at the, the games week in and week out. TCU is a little more battle-tested. I don't love the Big 12 either, um, but we'll see what happens in that spot. Honestly, like if you don't mind having your money eaten up, Georgia minus 130 to win the title seems like way too high of a price for me. I, they Georgia, in my mind, should be closer to minus 200 at this point to win the title. So if, if, if there's any bet I would make right now it would be Georgia minus one thirty to win the win the championship. Uh, there's a bunch of uh,
0: love here for TCU, at least uh, you know with the spread there. Um, TCU's got heart. We like to see that there. Uh, I've got the odds up here for the audio listeners. Uh, Michigan minus nine and a half. Georgia minus six. And then i got the Rose Bowl up there, too, because I love the Rose Bowl. Penn State Nittany Lions, minus one and a half there. But lots of different ways to go. And if you want more college football talk in the playoffs, tune in to do two-bet sports. They'll be on at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. You can always catch the replay and download the podcast. Every uh, live show that we do is done on the podcast form, so check those out. Make sure you go to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. Check out the – make sure you subscribe to that. But I've also got – I had it pulled up, and then we got going into something different here. Let me see if I can find it again. There it is. Got a new feature we're doing here. Um, we you know, we did the reactions to replays and people seem to like it. People really love when we don't show up like it, we just have the replays. So if there is a derby trail horse, say uh Arabian Knight who you would love to see, you can't find the replay anywhere else for free on YouTube except right here. We have a whole playlist, it's called Replays Only, No Commentary. You can just come to this playlist on our channel and make that the only thing you see. But I'm working on getting as many derby Horses loaded up into this Derby Show horses. So if there's anyone that you want to see that I don't have up here yet, that's a hard to find replay, please let me know. You tell me in the comments here. You can let me know. Uh, magic at racingdudes.com. And of course, you can always follow us. You should be following us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kelleward. He is at Summerbaum 18, number one, number eight. Mike, before we get out of here, any final words?
1: Uh, NFL wise, I thought it was a really interesting weekend. Uh, Cincinnati beating KC, obviously. Uh, Cincinnati surprised and- won the last two now. We'll see what happens there. Great Sunday for Buffalo. Buffalo gets a loss from the Jets. They get a loss from the Dolphins. They get a loss from Kansas City. All of a sudden, they are tied for the number one seed with Kansas City. Now, Kansas City beat them, so still something going on there. They're not in leading the leading division yet because Miami beat them, but they play Miami later in the season and have, a what I believe, a softer schedule ending here. than KC, so that's going to be a very, very interesting uh, kind of road there. And the best team in the NFC loses their quarterback. I think that's the other main takeaway. San Francisco's Jimmy Garoppolo out for the year with a broken foot. Uh, there is already talk of Baker Mayfield being, yeah, Baker Mayfield uh, going to uh, San Francisco and being their starting quarterback for the rest of the year. After getting released by the Panthers today, going to be interesting to see what they do. Brock Purdy, uh, who look was was a gamer, a gamer in uh, in college. Um, yeah, not going to win him a Super Bowl. We'll just put it that way. Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft. I thought that was interesting. Ended up uh, starting or playing in a game and winning a game there. But San Francisco's legit everywhere else. It would be interesting if we see the Baker Mayfield revenge mode come into play here in San Francisco. And, and if we're going to cut Baker any slack, any at all, by far the best coach, by far the best offensive line, by far the best defense, and by far the best skill positions he's ever played with. And one thing that we liked about him in Oklahoma is he was playing with superior talent than everybody else. This would be the first time in the NFL that he would have not superior, but significantly better than talent than a lot of people that he would be playing against. So um, it would be an interesting move to take him. And man, would that that give Shanahan some some clout if he's the one who's able to make Baker Mayfield good. Uh, so interesting to follow what's going to happen there in San Francisco as well. Um kind of like Dallas to win the NFC right now. If you want a, a future bet, um, I I'm a little interested in them because I think they're going to end up getting Odell Beckham. He's visiting with them today. He visited with the giants last week. He visited with the bills last week. I think he ends up in Dallas. Um, and I, 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 I think they could end up being very, very good. My preseason chiefs, Dallas super bowl still in play, still like it. Um, we'll see what happens here. If, if we can get that done, but it, it's going to be awfully interesting to see how this goes. Um, tonight's game. We've got uh, the Saints heading into New Orleans. This game opened six and a half, was bet all the way down to three and a half. Money came back in for uh, for the uh, <laughs> money came back in for the Bucks. Went up to four and a half. It's now bet down to three almost everywhere. The major problem here is the, T- the Tampa Bay offensive line. Tristan Wirfs is going to be out. Um, he was their best offensive line player. Oh, by the way, they were already missing their center. They were already missing one other player as well. So they're, they're going to be a shell of an offensive line tonight against a team that has done very well against them defensively. Lattimore ruled out right before the show, who is a star cornerback for, uh, for New Orleans. So the weapons are going to have an advantage on the outside. The question is whether or not Brady's going to have time to get to them. Um, I like the first half under, sitting at 20 right now, plus 105. I've already played that. I played the Saints plus four and a half earlier this week. I would play the Saints plus three and a half if it's still available. I would not play the Saints plus three. So that's kind of that that cutoff line for me. If you want a little fun parlay, you can get Tampa plus three and the under in some places first half. I think that's a a nice parlay because you have some of those shops hanging three and a half for the game, three for the first half. If you can get that three for the first half and the under 20, I like it. Dr. Tane brings up a great point. The game also starts after Tom Brady's bedtime. That's very fair. Very true. And this is a sneaky, important game. With Atlanta losing, New Orleans could win this division. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this game matters a little bit more because this is this division's awful. This Bucks team has really struggled. Um, I, I, the other, one other thing I kind of like, suck up over seven and a half points tonight. Uh, he's the field goal kicker for Tampa Bay. You can get over seven and a half plus 105 in a lot of places. Uh, it's essentially three field goals or two field goals and two extra points. Two extra points. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay has one of, I think it's a top 10 DVOA offense, yet they are 28th in the red zone. This specific defense from New Orleans bends but doesn't break in a lot of cases. So they stop them once they get to the red zone. All of that, plus you have a passive coach from an aggression standpoint. All of that adds up to field goal kicks. No win tonight in Tampa. So I, I like suck up over seven and a half as well.
0: Uh, that is a great plan. I didn't even think. I was trying to do the math. You saw me. I was like, how do they get to seven and a half with a kicker? Yeah, it's still, I have, you know, I'm still in CFL brain. And by the way, the one person, the 49ers should really be calling Nathan Rourke, BC Lions, star quarterback there. He's, he's doing NFL tryouts for the Broncos and the Jaguars, uh, which is Ohio. interesting. He went to Ohio. Is that right? Uh, no, he's Canadian. Oh, wait, yeah, he did go to Ohio. I'm sorry, yeah. He went to the uh, Ohio Bobcats, so you get some action in your life there with uh, Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, again, we've got the, uh, the dudes who bet sports. No, just about an hour. We'll keep talking. It'll be here pretty soon, so make sure you tune into that. Come back in an hour or get the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Chris Kellerward, at 18 Thanks so much for joining. We'll be back on Thursday with a Pick 5 show that's not at Del Mar, so maybe we got a better chance of hitting. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike.